hearts, your minds, and I know Jesus is going to blow you away. Esther Fred. <coughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. Let's try that. Uh, am I in a good spot, or do I need to move up or back? So, recently, um, Russell and, and Catherine, actually yesterday, and Troy, don't, don't want to leave Troy out, uh, does anyone notice a nice new projector? This is part of, part of our loan money uh, went towards that. This is just the first fruit. Uh, over the next, uh, well, we'll just say the next few weeks to, into months, uh, we're going to be redoing the lighting and the flooring and uh, uh, so, some exciting things. So yesterday, these guys were over here doing all sorts of fixes. So if I look back at them from time to time, that's just, all right, am I in where I'm supposed to be? So am I in a good spot? Well, it depends on where your text is and your slides. <laughs> we can fix that. Um, so, just real quick, I, um, I always um, I like to look for when I can just different artists and their work uh, stuff that I, I know I can you know the free downloads and so you can promote them. Uh, but I, I really like this guy and, and some of the artwork that he does. This is a Luis Brito. Um, I think I found it on artstation.com, but uh, this is Rahab on the walls of Jericho. I don't know. I just love the co- the colors and the contrast, um, and it kind of goes in. I, I'm really not going to be talking about the story of the walls of Jericho today, but it is kind of apropos to to what we are going to be teaching and, and talking about. Um, so anyway, there's that. It's a nice print if you want to look up some of this stuff. All right. Let's start with this. Um, declarations. You would join with me. Okay? Uh, if you're willing. Um, these are out of Genesis, chapters 1 through 3. And it's just truth extracted. Truth that we get to declare. We know that the Word of God did not, does not return um, uh, void to Him. Uh, and, and so we're changed simply by the reading of truth. We're changed simply by the, the declaring of truth. And so we get it into our hearts and into our heads. And it's a practice which if you've been around any length of time, you're familiar with. If not, you're going to get used to it. Um, because we, we do a lot of it from time to time. So I'm going to back up so you all can see. And number one, through you, there's nothing that's impossible for me. I am creative and my greatest eye brings order to chaos. I am purposeful in my actions, and everything I do has significance. It is my nature to separate light from darkness everywhere I go. I was made to function at my best through a team effort. Your desire is for me to work as one with others whenever possible. You want me to be involved in your business. Order is a part of my nature, inherent in who I am, 
in what you have called me to do and to be. You desire to put me on display for the purpose of impacting the world. An increase is a part of my nature. I am a light bearer designed to go into dark places. I am created for dominion, for partnership with the living God, designed to do the impossible with Him. I am bold, adventurous, and confident in who you have made me to be. Who I am is enough for you and everyone else. I will put my trust in you and the people with whom you've connected me. I am not afraid of nonsense. I am a source of provision to the world around me as I cooperate with you. Oh, I can go backwards. Whoops! There we go. I am dependent upon you for growth. I can plant the seed, water it, cultivate the soil around it, but only you can make it grow. I am strategic by design, and I am a champion of free will. Like you, I am a good father by design. Pouring out extravagance upon those whom you love is part of my nature. I was created to create with you. And like my Father in Heaven, I create a culture of self-discovery and accountability by asking Spirit-led questions. I am consistent like my Father in Heaven and keep my word even when it is painful or uncomfortable. Amen. So, um, a few weeks ago, I was, I, I've been doing a lot of traveling lately, if you've, if you've talked to me recently, I might sound a little out of breath or exasperated at times during the middle of the week, just because there are some days where I wake up and I go, all right, where am I going today? <laughs> I've just been going a lot of different places, and one of them is to Wellington, Ohio. Uh, it's about an hour and a half that way and a little that way, um, a little east and, and south of here. Um, it gets to be a long day when you drive an hour and a, hour and a half and then you, you spend eight, nine, sometimes more hours in the clinic and then you get a long drive home. Uh, so, uh, at any rate, the one evening as I was coming, coming home, I'm used to, my pattern or habit is to put on Cleveland Browns daily. Okay? Uh, I, yes, I'm a Browns fan. I still... Still own it, right? Um, but it, honestly, it's just background noise for me to decompress. And you all know what I'm talking about. At the end of a workday, you just kind of want some noise. Stuff you don't really have to think about. Just stuff that's just kind of there. And you go, ah, okay. And, and by the time you you get home, you're human again. And, and greet the wife and, and children with love and kindness. Um, well, anyway, I went out the one that one particular night and put on my Cleveland Browns daily, plugged it into the radio, and out comes, comes Graham Cook's voice. Graham Cook is a uh, British preacher, or a preacher with a British accent, I'm not sure which yet. Um, any rate, he's got a great ministry, and I, I just love uh, a lot of his uh, his. His ministry and the, the words that, that come forth from him. Um, I got turned on to him by Amy Clausen, who many of you know. Um, 
Just, just great creature. Anyways, but I obviously I wasn't expecting that. I'm expecting my Cleveland Browns daily, and so I'm like, huh? Well, how'd that happen? So, pull my phone down and I start flipping things on and off, and I'm making sure my YouTube no YouTube is off, but Grand Cook's voice is still coming through my radio. Well, there's no glitch. I wonder if I hit well like this and that. I'm trying everything. Finally. I'm going back and forth a little bit. I'm like, Lord, all right, this isn't funny. Uh, just give me my radio show. And finally, I'm like, all right, fine. Every app on my phone was off, and Graham Cook's voice is still coming through my radio. So, so I'm like, all right, I get it. There's something you want me to hear. And I probably grumbled for the next 10 minutes on my drive home, in all honesty. So I wasn't totally dialed into what Graham was saying. Once I got in, I went, all right, I get it. I did need to hear this. Darn it. And so for the next 20 minutes, until I reached the turnpike where I normally call Michelle, because there's just no cell service out there, right? So um, for the next 20 minutes, I'm listening. When I go to call Michelle, I'm thinking to myself, well, how's this going to work? Because I couldn't shut Grandma off. When I wanted to listen to what I wanted to, how am I going to be able to call my wife? Well, lo and behold, I start messing, I pull over, and I start messing with the radio again, and Graham Cook was in my CD play. <laughs> I had forgotten that I had put one of his CDs in months ago. A good CD, by the way, which I needed to hear again. Uh, but I had just totally forgotten about that. And so... At, you know, at the same time, I know I needed to hear what God put on in that moment. You can think, well, Pastor Fred, well, that's just a mistake. Well, yes, I make mistakes, and that is true. But God used that in that moment. It was a divine encounter. Um, you know, it, and again, so often we can we can dismiss stuff like that when we hear the source. Um, but do you realize? That in the Old Testament, the priests would often cast lots, right? So with equivalent to the rolling of dice, right? In order to to determine whether they received a word from from the Lord. Say, all right, well, fine, but that's Old Testament. This is New Testament, and truthfully, I'm I'll be the first one to to stand up here and tell you that you need to zero in on hearing God's voice, right? However, at the same time, you know, we also see the same thing in the New Testament. How many of you realize in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 23, I'll just read it to you. It says, so they put forward two men. Uh, so Judas, this was after Jesus died, after Judas had hung himself, they went from 11 apostles, or from 12 apostles down to 11, right? And, and this is... Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 23. So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all men. Should one uh, Show which one of these two should be chosen to occupy this ministry of apostleship for which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for it, and the lot fell to Matthias. And he was added to the eleven apostles. So even in the New Testament, there are times where they're cast in lots. 
And, and I can just hear Barsabbas going, all right, Matthias, do you want to go best of five? Right? You know, because we do that. But are you convinced that God is speaking to you when he's speaking to you, no matter how it comes? Are you convinced of the things that he says? Are you convinced of the things that he says in his word? And that's what I want to zero in on this morning, right? So to convince, when I go to Webster, sometimes I just need to do the child's definition because the adult definition makes me think too hard. So this is exactly what I did here. So to convince is simply this, to make a person agree or believe by arguing or showing evidence. Okay? So we're usually convinced of things that we have full confidence to act upon. Okay? So for instance, if I had to take this chair and bring it down here for I have full confidence that the chair is sitting right here in front of me. I can see it. I can touch it. I now have experience with the chair. So even when I turn my back, right, because I've had experience with it uh, and I've seen it, I, I have every confidence to sit down. Right? So I'm convinced. And in the simplest form, that's what it means to convince. Well, we find that word thrown out throughout Scripture, and I wonder sometimes if I truly understand what it means. I wonder sometimes if what would the church look like if they were truly convinced of the truth of God's word. 2 Timothy, and if you're following along, I'm using the New American Standard Bible. Um, others will just read differently, but use whatever you, you so choose. Um, I like the New American Standard for its accuracy in particular. Um, but there's other great translations, and I'll even use one of them. Uh, uh, John Filler, it introduces to the Mirror Translation. Um, over the summer, and so um, that's what I want to share with you just a little bit from a little later on. The second Timothy chapter three, starting in verse twelve, says this Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be, will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom, and that show wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. I love the, I think it's the King James or uh, New King James that says all scripture is God breathed. I love the, the, the imagery there. Right? All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. 
This is just one instance where we're called to be convinced. Right? And, and we can relate because, you know, these are challenging times. We live in a world where, you know, evil, evil men and imposters are going from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, right? But, but Paul is telling Timothy, I need you to be convinced of these things that you've known from the sacred writings. Now, remember, too, that Paul is talking to Timothy about the Old Testament, because oftentimes we can zero in and, and say, well, we're, we're, uh, we're a, a book of Acts church. We are post-resurrection. And so all we really need is the New Testament. And I would submit to you that Paul continued to admonish Timothy and others and all of us to make sure that we're getting into and recognizing that even the salvation through Christ Jesus was present in the Old Testament, in the sacred writings. There's value in it still. So, while yes, we're we're a New Testament church, right? We're a New Covenant church, and we're going to celebrate that in a little bit. Um, Everything that, that, that can be found, right? It was a revelation of Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament, where they all, where, where Peter and all of them went, oh, wow, now we get it, because of what was written, what was prophesied. About Jesus. Are you convinced that all Scripture is God inspired? Are you convinced that it is profitable for teaching, for correction, reproof, training in righteousness? Are you convinced that it's so that you can be adequate? Now, that word adequate, I had to look that up because I went, adequate just kind of sounds me, you know? I'm adequate. What's that? Just good enough. Just good enough. You're just good enough, just good enough. You're not great, but you're just good enough. Well, the word adequate there actually means complete. Okay, in the Greek it means complete, sufficient, Completely qualified. Okay? So, yes, in that sense, we're adequate. We are completely qualified. We're whole. I think Apostle Tim was talking about uh, shalom. You know, one of the meanings of shalom is, is wholeness, right? So, are you convinced of that? Are you convinced of these things? Second Peter. Oh, I guess I got these here if you want to follow along or if you're taking notes. Second Peter in chapter one. Uh, again, starting in verse two. Paul says, I'm sorry, Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. For by these he had granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them we may become partakers of the divine nature, 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. They render you useful and fruitful in the knowledge of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Look at this next line, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. I want to zero in here on verses 10 and 11. Right? Let me read them again. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will abundantly, will be abundantly supplied to you. He's not talking about a final entrance into the kingdom here. You know, when Jesus went around preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was talking about us entering into kingdom power, kingdom relationship, kingdom kingdom supply run. And that's exactly what Peter is talking about here. Right? For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior will be abundantly supplied to you. Um, Peter was telling us that we know that we know that we know that we're sons of the Most High God. That if we do, and when we're convinced of that, if we live our lives in the manner that reflects it, right, it, then we have access, abundant access, to the kingdom which is here and now. So I was talking a little bit about the mirror translation, right? So the mirror translation, it's a translation by uh, Francis, I'm going to butcher his last name, de Troyes, <laughs> from, uh, and uh, it's translated from the original text of the New Testament and paraphrased into contemporary speech, but then it's got this deep commentary. So basically, you've got a line, and then this commentary, and a line, and then commentary. And so it's not an easy translation to just, it's a study Bible. Right? It paraphrases it. It makes it easy to understand, but then it gives you lots of depth that you can jump into. I'm not going to go real deep, but I love the, the way he paraphrases things in 1 Peter. It says, Therefore I encourage you, my fellow family, to make every immediate effort to become cemented in knowledge of our original identity. Sometimes we can get hung up on the word calling. Right? But, but what... What Peter's actually talking about is your original original identity revealed and confirmed in the logic of God. Because God's word is logical. You have an original, an original identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We talk about that a lot around here. Right? 
I'm thinking, oh, I need to send this verse to Johnny, because that just affirms even further, right? Peter talking about needing to know our identity and how it ties in. We need to become convinced of your original identity, because everything else hinges upon it. Your entrance, not into to kingdom, the kingdom, one day at the pearly gates, in the here and now, for all that you're called to do and to be. But are you convinced? Yeah. If you're sitting there and going, I don't know if I'm convinced. That's okay. Alright? That's part of this message. It's okay not to be convinced. Alright? It's okay to know where you're at. In fact, that's revelation from Jesus himself. To know exactly where you're at and along the spectrum here. Because I'm telling you what, this is kind of crazy whacked out stuff. When you stop and think about it. For you to be convinced of the fullness of everything that the gospel of Jesus Christ talks about. For you to be convinced of that means you begin to live in a totally different way. It means that as you go, you begin to see into the spiritual realm. It means that as you go, you're crying holy, as Jennifer was talking about. It's not so crazy that we would go holy, holy, because why? She's she's entering the, the eternal realm. She's entering kingdom. She's got one foot in kingdom. Yeah. I used to hear it say, and it was preached quite a bit, you shouldn't be so spiritually minded that you're no earthly good. Well, when the truth of that is totally the opposite, we need to be so spiritually minded that we're actually earthly good. We need to be able to see into that realm. We need to be crying holy because it's in that place that Papa says, you know, holy, holy, holy. By the way, I need you to stop and do this. I need you to pay for that person's dinner. We went to dinner the other night. And... I was all excited. We had a gift card. Yay! You know. <laughs> You're thinking, free meal. Yay! God says, don't be too excited. You're paying for your meal. Yeah. What do you mean? I want you to give that to that family that's sitting over here. And I want you to let that mother know that she's a really good mother. She doesn't know that she's a good mother. That she believes just the opposite about herself. But she needs to hear that she's a really good mother. She needs to receive this. From me. I mean, how can you say no to that? Right? You, you say, holy, holy. I'd I love to say, you know, there was this amazing interaction afterward, but there wasn't. But I know that I know that I know that I was faithful to what God told me to do. That we were faithful to what God told us to do. So I asked my wife about it, I'm like, we talked it through, and, and it, even as I'm talking, I'm like, well, you know, I think God's telling me to do this, but, well, this isn't one of my natural thoughts, because I don't want to do this, so this must be God, so <laughs> I guess we got to do it, right? So you do it. We need to be so heavenly minded that others think we're no earthly good. But that comes with certainty. It comes from being certain of who we are, our identity in Him, right? That we are His, and we are sons. If you're not convinced, um, 
we can talk afterward. I, I mean, I can point you to books. I know there are several. Anyone who preaches probably has their favorite go-to books. Jennifer has her go-to books. So does Tim, and so does Michelle. So does uh, 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 Melissa. And there are others of you as well. You know, one of my favorite go-tos for people who are questioning, and, and, you know, not just y'all here, but, but, you know, for you on the live stream, if you're tuning in and going, I'm not all convinced of this Jesus stuff. Great resources. Um, the Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It's an older book, all right? But here's a case of we're an atheist, right? His wife comes home having been born again and just annoys the crap out of an atheist, just like that probably would, right? Um, and he sets out to prove that this old Christianity stuff is, is a crop, once and for all, because he wants it out of his home. But I so love his heart because he tenaciously went after the truth. And what he found at the end of the day, after going through scholar after scholar, going through all the evidence that was available, is that there's more evidence to support that not only was Jesus Christ who he said he was, but that he lived and he died and he rose again. There's more evidence to support that than there's evidence than King Henry VIII ever lived. Right? And we take that as for granted. That's a slam dunk. In the, in, in the court of law, he could prove these things. He became convinced. Have you gone on that journey yourself? Do you, maybe you don't need to. And again, that's part of what we're talking about. Because the good news came, and there were some who received it eagerly. And they just went, here we go. And then there were some who they, they're like, I don't know about this stuff. Right? The Bereans were some of those people. Actually, it says that they were a little bit of both. It says that the Bereans eagerly received that which Paul was preaching. They took it in. They took it at face value. But then they went home at night and searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. Why? So they could become convinced. There is a process, though. Sometimes our process is shorter for some of us, or in some seasons, or with some truths than others. Sometimes that process is, is a little longer, right? Um, you know, we often forget that there's a process of, of being convinced of things, where we know that we know that we know. You know, imagine Peter's process of stepping out of the boat. We don't think about that. We, we just hear that Jesus said, come, and Peter went, eh, here we go, right? But I guarantee you there was a process. It might have happened way before that. It might have just been culminating in that moment. Or have you ever had one of those, those times where, you know, in an instant someone says something or does something, and it's almost like time stops, and you go through this conversation with God, or, or something happens and you're weighing these things and it's in an instant and yet, you, but then you, you go and you do. Am I the only crazy one here? No. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but it's like, oh, what just happened? There's a process. I'm guilty of this. 
I like to be convinced and then be so convinced that I just begin stepping out in, in it and, and then I jump up here and I say, well, you need to be convinced too. What's wrong with you? Because you're not convinced. Why are you looking at me tilting your head? Right? Why are you not going out and doing the things that I'm talking about? Because this is so amazing. Well, it's a process for you. Once I become convinced of something, doesn't mean that you just automatically take it in. In the other way around. I love preachers, teachers, ministers who challenge me in that way. Because it's about the testing of my faith, which I need. I just totally ruined my notes because I have no idea where I'm at at this point. But that's okay, so we're just going to roll with this. I was not convinced when my father told me not to let plastic, light plastic on fire and it would actually harm me. So, being the boy, the boy that I was, went out behind the chicken coop, got my dad's lighter, unknown to my dad. Of course, he had several. Yeah. I knew where to find him. Not advocating this, anyone, but most of those have headphones on, so I think I'm in the clear. Um, <laughs> went out and lit some plastic on fire and discovered to myself that, yes, it actually burns, and quite badly, and it hurts, and I shouldn't do that again. We need experiences, right? Not the negative experiences, but, some, but it's good that we learn from those as well. It's just, it's not all about the positive. It's about gleaning from all that life throws at us. From our good choices and even our not so good choices. So sometimes we ask, well, okay, I've got this truth I've been convinced of. What more is needed for you? I mean, again, it can be like pounding your head against the wall. It can feel like that sometimes. When, you know, I'll, I'll take this on myself. When you're teaching something, it's like, oh, man. I, people just aren't getting this. And you go, what do I need to do? Well, here's good news. It's not all about you. It's not all, even all about your ability to teach. Because sometimes in the process, people need to deal with garbage. They need to deal with their garbage. You know, and, and I wrote this, I wrote down just an example. You know, I can tell you the reasons why I come to church. Okay? There's my testimony. And, and, and people believe based on testimony, the woman at the well, right? Jesus gave her the testimony and she went and told the whole town and went, ah! This guy told me everything I knew and everything I've done, right? And it was just all based on his testimony, right? So that's good. I can even tell you the scripture that Hebrews 10, uh, 24 to 25 says, let us, 
Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I can say, look, right there it says, you, you know, it's a good idea. You attend church regularly. But if you're not convinced, you're not going to act on it. There's lots of reasons. And, and, and again, just in this one example, maybe I've got an offense against someone there. An offense that's undealt with will keep you from attending church or will keep you from attending any place that is strictly voluntary. So when you're offended, you don't want to be around the person. You don't want to deal with the stuff and, and all the drama, perhaps, that goes with it. Perhaps I've made judgments or assumptions, right? Based on churchgoers. Like we haven't heard this one before. All churchgoers are hypocrites. Right? I've heard that all the time. It's a very common excuse. Why should I go and sit with a bunch of hypocrites? But until you learn and are convinced of the truth that churchgoers, those who come, are coming to be strengthened and edified, that they're actually people who are, 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 have made mistakes and continue to, to make mistakes and are in the process of being perfected, right? that they are holy and yet at the same time make mistakes. Until you come to the, that knowledge and that it's actually a safe place, you're not going to want to go, much less routinely. Why? Again, there's just there's always reasons that interfere with our process. So, at the end of the day, we will not act upon that which we are not convinced of. So we need to ask the question, why? Right? Why do we believe what we And scripture is, is just replete with examples to answer this question. I mean, number one is so we're convinced. We said it. Number two is so that we can give a good answer. I think I've blown through most of these. Nope. We're called to give a good answer. Second Timothy is to present yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handing, handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 4.2 says to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season to rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. We're called to give an answer. We're called to be convinced of these things. And I'm not here to speed up anyone's process, but I do want to give tools. I do want to give you the understanding that there's, there's a case where we're accountable for it, whether we pursue it or not. You know, that, that's, that's the judgment. Oftentimes we think that the judgment is we get, we get up to the pearly gates and he says, well, you did this. 
and you did this, and then you did this, and I saw when you did that. Oh yeah, buddy. It's more about stewardship. It's more about how did you steward the things that you were given. We were given the Word of God. We were given this truth. We've been called to the carpet and said, hey, you need to invest in this because there's life for it in you. You don't believe that, you've got to become convinced of it. That's your starting point. It's okay that you don't believe every word coming out of my mouth. Can I give you permission? Or anyone who stands up here and preaches, I don't care who it is. You don't have to instantly believe and grab hold just because of my pedigree, because of the initials behind my name, because of where I come from, or even my experience. I can have heavenly experiences and come back. I can cross over, right? And come back and tell you everything I see. But it doesn't mean you're going to be convinced. Your starting point is your starting point. Feel like I'm supposed to kind of end right there. I got more. Dang it, I'm loaded for bear. But. What are you going to do with what you do know? What are you going to do with your starting point? That's what you're accountable for. I do want to share this. Uh, In the end, there's two things you're aiming for, okay? These are all good scriptures. You can go back and you'll read them and you'll get the relevance, okay? If if you're taking notes. And there's two, two... in the end, there's two things that we're aiming for. One is we need to be convinced of his character and nature. And this is straight out of Scripture. Romans 8, uh, again, you can. I encourage you to read all of 26 through 39 because it gives the fullest picture. But starting in verse 38, for I am convinced. Paul is saying, I am convinced. I am convinced. Right? This is the type, this is what he's saying. I am totally in, 100%. I'm convinced, 100%, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to be convinced of who we are and whose we are and his love for us. If that's not something you're convinced of, yeah, you, you, that's your, where it begins. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's your starting point. Because nothing else matters. I can quote all sorts of things to you. If you don't believe that, I'm just a, a banging gong. I'm a resounding symbol to you. And we also need to be convinced of this. That even as is part of one of the the, the uh, declarations which we read in the beginning, right? We need to be convinced that his best truly is a team effort. 
He wants us connected with people. Doesn't want to call us off like Grizzly Adams off to a, a cabin in the woods and, and living off the land. That might now he might do that for a season, right? Maybe for growth, maybe for healing. Uh, Communing with the bears, great. Go eat berries and roll on the grass with bears. But he's going to bring you back sooner or later. He separated Jonah for a little while. We know how that ended. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9. I'll throw that one up too. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. Let me just stop right there. The writer of Hebrews was convinced of better things concerning you. This is how we need to view our fellow man. There are better things concerning you. Um, I've not always operated from them. Right? Um, you know, we're, we're going into this leadership conference and uh, I have no problem telling you that my view of leadership early on, and I'm not talking strictly church, but, but even in the clinic, my view of leadership was God, why did you put me uh, in charge of these crazy people? Look at everything that's wrong with these people. Because I wasn't looking for the pet. I was looking for people who would just obey my command. I was looking for people who would do things the right way. Come on, can I get an amen there? Because <laughs> you, all, you all thought the same things. I'm just vocalizing it. If they would only do it this way, well, guess what? Sometimes that's not the way they're designed. And it's actually their way is a whole lot better. And God had to deal with me on that. Because when I truly, sincerely started pressing in and saying, Lord, I want to be a good leader, he said, well, then listen up. Here's where it starts. And he throws down a mirror right in front of me. And I went, oh, crap. Here we go. All right. Buckle up. I need them. That other scripture, Romans 15, 14. This, is, this tells us why. It says, concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. Are we convinced that our fellow man is full of goodness. That those that we lead are full of goodness. Filled with all knowledge and also able to admonish one another. Now granted, not everyone is of a, a good moral character. I understand that. Not everyone is full of goodness. But as it relates to those who are born again, I guarantee if they have Jesus in them, they are full of goodness. Yeah. And, and we need to recognize that. If nothing else, they may drive us crazy. We may really outwardly go, oh, Lord, everything in me, I'm just totally repelled by this person. His goodness is in there. He's in there. They are a temple of the living God. Do we recognize that? Because here's the, here's the kicker. Paul says, 
Convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. To admonish means to exhort, right? To encourage, to warn, to comfort, but also to correct, discipline, and rebuke. Are we ready to go toe-to-toe with one another? It's being convinced of God's word that makes you ready. It's being convinced of God's word that makes you able, that enables you, that even when you don't do it perfectly, you're still stepping in the arena and going toe-to-toe when you need to. And we need to. Not every conversation is going to be pleasant in life. It would be great if it was. But can we have those hard conversations and still come out loving people on the other side of it? I could go into more stories, but I won't. You get it? Paul was convinced that in Christ we are full of goodness filled with the knowledge and able to comfort, encourage, and go toe-to-toe with one another, all the while doing it from the conviction of better things concerning those we partner with. Yes, it's hard work. But I'm convinced that there's nothing greater we're spending my limited time on this earth doing, right, than intimately knowing Him and believing the best about those He's partnered me with those whom he's called me to serve. So likewise, Jesus was convinced. I know this is recently one of Pastor Jeannie's favorite verses. Or at least I've been hearing it a lot from her lately. <laughs> she has a lot of favorite verses. And I, I don't falter for that because I have a lot as well. Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 say, say this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was convinced you were worthy. He was convinced that I would get over myself and made a way so that I could I was worthy. He was so convinced that he was willing to take a chance. Even if I didn't. He loved me that much. He loves you that much. That's what we celebrate this morning. It's Jesus who led the way in everything, including being convinced. I want to encourage you.
before you come and receive the elements this morning. And I encourage all to do so. I want to encourage you to just take a moment and say, Lord, what am I convinced and of what do I need to be convinced? This is about receiving Jesus. This is not a denominational thing. Right? It's not about exact words and the way one does it versus another does it. Jesus simply said, remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember my broken body. And so we have the risen love because we have a risen God. That's, what, that's how we celebrate here. It's a good remembrance. He is risen. It's exciting. Easter's coming. He is risen. And everyone says, He is risen indeed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we celebrate. It's at the core of our faith. I'm convinced. I know that I know that I know. And I'm willing to stand upon it. I'm willing to be made a fool and mocked because of it. I'm willing to be persecuted. And if necessary, lay down my life for the purpose of Jesus Christ. This is how convinced I am. I don't want to. But I'll do whatever he needs me to because my life is forfeit. As Paul said, for me to die is to gain. But to live is great. I forget how he says it. <laughs> to live is Christ and to die is gain. Thank you. I knew someone would correct me. See? Someone's full of the word. He's full of it. <laughs> yeah, that was the back row heckling. That wasn't it. Are you convinced of what are you telling you, everything hinges upon it. But life becomes so amazing as you take those little steps forward and be convinced. So, come and receive. Receive His blood. We remember the covenant of the new blood shed on our behalf for the forgiveness of sin. For our entrance into the eternal kingdom, but also for our entrance into the kingdom of God, which is at hand which he fully supplies our need. I don't understand how it works fully. I just know it's available. I'm convinced of that. So please come and receive, and then we're going to do final blessing and release y'all to just go splatter Jesus all over everyone this week. Because you've been sitting in his presence. You've been absorbing His presence. People recognize, they know when you've been in the presence of God. Not just me. Come and receive. You can carry that with you. There's going to be testimonies. I just decree and declare there will be testimonies coming out of this week. Not because Pastor Fred's word was just so amazing, right? But because lights went up. Some of you now know what you're not convinced of. And that's revelation. That's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's how we go from glory to glory. When you know what you don't know. Then you can start asking the right questions.